I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, welcome here to Husker Online Headlines. Sean Callahan, Steve Sippel. It is Super Bowl week and uh, lots of former Husker flavor in the Super Bowl itself. And Sip, let, let's just get right into it as uh, we hit on the Super Bowl. Let's bring in another former Husker who was in the Super Bowl coaching last year uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals, Nebraska Football Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, the, the last Nebraska offensive player to be named a conference player of the year, Zach Taylor, joining us on Husker Headlines. Zach, uh, it looks like you're somewhere warm. We appreciate you uh, taking a few minutes to join us. I am. I'm down here in Florida uh, trying to enjoy a little bit of vacation. It's a little cold up in Ohio right now, so it's nice to get away. But uh, Sarah and I are down here enjoying a trip. Well, Zach, um, let's first talk about just um, Nebraska with you because uh, you've been away now. It's hard to believe. It's almost 20 years now, but um, there, there's something about Nebraska I think that still is important to you. Um, you know, Last year you spoke to the women's basketball team um, in Indianapolis during the NFL combine. I saw you down on the sidelines in Ann Arbor when Nebraska played in Michigan this year. Um, I mean, there's just something about this place, even close to 20 years later, uh, that still sticks with you today. There's no doubt. And it was a special place to be, even though I was only there for two years. Uh, there's a time as I started my career in coaching where you kind of get away from it a little bit. But now that I got two boys that are 12 and 10, uh, they're right in the thick of Husker athletics and they love it all. We watch all the basketball games and uh, that, you know, to be able to take them up to that Michigan-Nebraska game was a lot of fun for me. So uh, we're right back in the thick of it and following everything that those those athletic teams do right now. So those boys are Husker fans, Zach? They're big Husker fans. They went to the OU-Nebraska game in Norman last year, two years ago, with my parents. Um, and then this year it didn't quite work out to get to the game up in Lincoln. So they have not been to a game in Lincoln. They went to the stadium two years ago in the summer. We took them up there. Uh, but then they got to go to that Nebraska-Michigan game this year, which is fun. Well, we'll wind back to the Huskers. I want to I want to ask you a few things about the NFL. I mean, you're four years now as an NFL head coach, four, four years in. Do you now, Zach, begin to feel a different level of comfort in your position? I mean, naturally than you would have. And in, in, I think it was February of 2019 when you took that job. I do. I think every year feels like four years, you know, in a sense. Uh, <laughs> you just we, we play so many games, so many yeah. preseason games, so many regular season games. We've had two long playoff runs now. Um, so it does feel like um, we've all come a long way just as a staff in general. We've all worked together. I've lost very few coaches over these last couple of years. We've had a lot of continuity there, um, a lot of the same faces on the team. So, yeah, we feel like we've all, all learned from our experience, and, and there's still a long ways to go, too. I know in five, ten years from now, um, the things I'll learn, I never could have imagined. So uh, it's fun gaining that experience and being able to learn from it. Uh, Zach, speak to your relationship with Joe Burrow. Um, you know, he, he didn't play at Nebraska, but everyone around him did, and you played at Nebraska. <laughs> so I'm sure just between the Burrow family, you played with Dan. I mean, you, you've got just a connection with him. And when you have a quarterback like Joe, I, I'm sure it makes your job a lot more fun. It does. You know, Joe's a special uh, special person, special player, makes your job uh, – feel a lot easier at times because he can just execute at such a high level and he's so much fun to coach because he's coachable 
Um, he doesn't feel like he's got all the answers. He wants to hear what you have to say. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I miss Joe and, and I miss Jamie and Dan. I, I just miss those guys as I transferred in. Uh, I think Dan was the one right in front of me, but uh, I've got to know that family, you know, just through being at games. And um, so it, it's a really special family. Zach, I mean, you're a quarterback. I mean, now you're leading that organization. How much personal responsibility do you feel to keep pushing Joe Burrow to improve? I mean, this is a very talented guy, but he he surely has room to improve, right? And how much of that do you take on? Well, when you've got great players, there's great expectations, and that's why you're in this profession. Uh, you want that. You don't you don't want there to be low expectations and no one expecting anything of you. And so, um, part of that is is making sure that the team improves every year. And Joe's a big leader on the team, and he takes that upon himself as well. And so, just navigating those waters with him and with a lot of the other captains we have, um, you know, it's it's. Joe doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. You know, there's he's constantly improving. If he does, you know, over the course of a game or two, he quickly corrects them, and and he's really good at identifying that and selfless that way. And um, you know, he's he usually ends the season playing at a really high level as he as he learns over the course of the season things that we got to improve on as a unit. Well, you've got some former Huskers as well on your roster. Uh, obviously, Stanley Morgan, but Cam Taylor Britt came in as a rookie, yeah. second round draft pick. Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, by season's end, he was playing as well as any corner out there. He just, some of the plays he made for you. Uh, what is the buzz on Cam Taylor Britt and kind of his future in the NFL after this season? Yeah, he had, he had kind of an abdominal injury uh, in training camp and didn't get to play in any preseason game. So he was having a good training camp. We're excited about him. He missed all three preseason games. I think he missed the first six weeks of the season um, as he started the season kind of on IR there. So, um, that that was that was a challenge to miss all that time as a rookie, and then for him to jump in and play the way he did. Really, his his appearance on the field coincided with us losing at starting corner Tito Wuzier to an ACL, and so he was thrust into that role and it got better every single week. And uh, was really excited about the future for Cam. Was was there something you saw in particular at Nebraska that indicated he would be able to handle it immediately? I mean, I guess you take him in the second round. That's what you're expecting, right? He's really passionate about the game. You can see that. He's got tremendous athleticism, uh, really good ball skills. I mean, just you can see that on the tape from Nebraska. We saw that in training camp. Just some DB drills, you can see. He's kind of got receiver-type ball skills, really good awareness. Yeah. Some guys, even in this league, don't track the ball down the field well at all. Um, he's got a knack for that. He only had one pick this year, but um, I think that number will really improve as the years go by. But really competitive. Um, you know, one of our most competitive practice players, always locked in, and I really enjoy being around his personality. We're talking with former Husker quarterback and now Cincinnati Bengals head coach Zach Taylor here on Husker Online Headlines. Zach, it is a Super Bowl this weekend. Um, a lot of Nebraska fans have reasons to watch. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued on your thoughts on Indomitian Sue because you played with him at Nebraska. You coached him in Miami. I believe you coached him in L.A. Now you'll watch him um, playing in the Super Bowl. Um, just speak to his career and, and what he's accomplished to this point and I know the debate gets thrown around. Is he a first ballot Hall of Fame type guy? I mean, what are your thoughts on Indomitian Sue? Incredibly durable. You know, I think that's what's fascinating about his career is his missed time. He might not have any. You know, I'm not sure about these last two years, but there for a while, um, he had played about every game he's ever dressed up in. And so um, that's incredible. At that point, does a great job taking care of his body. His work ethic's tremendous. Um, you know, and he really ramps it up. Once you get to this point in the year, that's where you see the best of him, you know, later in the year because he does such a good job taking care of his body. And um, he does a really good job making a lot of plays in the playoffs. I remember that, you know, he, he kind of 
was a big part of us winning the Saints game and the NFC Championship game a couple years ago to get the Super Bowl. Made some big plays there. Made some great plays for Tampa in their Super Bowl run. And, uh, you know, I haven't watched a lot of Philly's defense, but I would imagine he's playing on a high level for them as well. What do you remember about him in, at Nebraska? He, now, you were you were a veteran quarterback, 05, 06, coming from, from Butler, and he was just a young guy. You know, yeah. he didn't play in 05, um, then came onto the scene a little bit in 06. Do you have anything that, that you would tell people that stands out about him? You know, I, I remember him being relatively quiet. Uh, we also had some really good defensive lines the two years I was there. You know, if you think yeah. about all those guys we had, um, all those guys. And so – uh, you know, he, he was more of a role player, I think, my senior year. And then you really saw him turn it on those years after that. And Bo and, and uh, just, well, I mean, what an incredible career. You guys saw a lot more of it than I did. I remember watching that Texas game and the Big 12 championship and just a defensive tackle to take over a game like that it does not happen. And, um, you know, he's just a special player. I'm curious, Zach, uh, you're a guy that played at Nebraska. Your dad played at Oklahoma. Uh, what's your dad's thoughts on Oklahoma going to the SEC? What's what's the buzz <laughs> in Mormon where you're from? Because uh, a lot has changed. Uh, you were a Big 12 quarterback. Now Nebraska's in the Big 10. Your dad was a Big 8 guy, and now he's an SEC yeah. guy. I still consider myself a Big 8 guy, really, at, at, <laughs> deep down in my heart. And it's it's unusual. I, I went through this at Texas A&M, you know, when, when they were making the change the year before we left. And, and I do remember a comment from a, a lifelong Aggie fan there saying, you know, I'm just – tired of going to some of these other places we've been visiting for these road games. It would be exciting to go to Knoxville and exciting to go to Oxford, exciting to go to all these places. And as a fan, that's, that's just a unique experience that you can't replicate. And, and so I understand that part of it. It'll be strange to watch OU in Texas uh, battling with Georgia and Florida and all these teams, but um, I, I'm just coming to the, you just got to accept it. You know, that the landscape's changing. You can be old school and have all those thoughts that it's bad for the game. I, you just accept it and move forward. And it's going to be the new normal with all these teams playing in different conferences and and I think it'll be fun to watch UCLA play at Wisconsin on a Saturday afternoon. You know, I'll, I'll watch that game. And so um, I, I think it's, it's fascinating to see the, the different conference alignments. And it's fun for football. Zach, you're 39, right? 39. 39. Yeah, I had to think about that. But yeah, you're right. Still, still pretty young. <laughs> and obviously you're, cle- I mean, clearly now cut out to coach the NFL. It looks very natural. We watch you. Um, but does coaching in college ever cross your mind? <laughs> can I can I ask no. you a question? No, no, uh, <laughs> no. I they're going to have to carry me out of here in a casket. You know, it's, is that right? Um, yeah, I, I love it. Just specifically in Cincinnati. Um, you know, it's a really good fit for my family and myself. Um, just with myself and the other coaches and ownership and uh, Duke Tobin and and uh, I, I can't ever imagine myself anywhere else. So uh, yeah, they'll have to they'll have to kick me out of here. Well, and something too, Zach, I know that a lot of pro guys say it's attractive about the pros is you guys get a true offseason. Like, you know, if you're coaching at Nebraska or Oklahoma or someone, you're getting ready for junior days in March and you're texting guys, DMing guys, you know, doing all the like Matt Rules in Phoenix tonight at an NIL fundraiser. Um, you're in Florida, you're going to look out in, in West Palm Beach and your wife's shopping and, and, and you're going to watch the Super Bowl and just relax. That's got to be attractive. That part's good, you know, and it, but, but the season is a grind. You know, you start uh, late July and, and like us, we finished, you know, in late January and there's not a game off. There's, there's no, uh, man, we're going to roll these guys on Sunday afternoon. It's, yeah, you might feel that way, but it never works out that way. And so, you know, every team, you got to be ready. And so it's, it's 17 of your, your toughest games you got to play and then you got to ready for the playoffs. So um, I, I think the, the intensity level each week, um, you know, for six months, it's pretty intense. 
Um, not that it isn't in college. You know, there's there's plenty of people that do with them as well. But the offseason, I think, is, is an advantage of the NFL. There's still work to be done, but uh, I, I don't really look at my phone that much. I don't – there's not a lot of texts or calls that i got to return immediately, and I know that's a big difference in college. Zach, it's interesting what you just said, that they, they would have to carry you out of Cincinnati in a casket. You love that yeah. job so much. Yeah. What is it about the city – and maybe expand on what it is about the organization that, that why has it been such a good fit for you in your estimation? Same values that I grew up with in Norman and spent time in Lincoln and Kansas and, and the people are Midwestern people. I always thought it was from the Midwest. I've learned I'm, I'm not. This is the Midwest where I, where I live now. Uh, you guys are in the Plains region, as I've, I've come to accept. Okay. Um, so, but the people are, are just very down to earth, hardworking, really good people, treat their neighbors the right way. Um, that's very much how the Brown and Blackburn family is with me. It's, it's um, you know, just share values, constant communication, very much in alignment. Um, I know that that's a special thing to have in this league. It's not always that way. And so I, I don't take it for granted. And I just really enjoyed and, um, you know, my family's really happy here as well. And Zach, obviously Nebraska hired a coach from the NFL and Matt Rule. Um, what do you know about Matt Rule? Have you, have you ever had a chance to speak with Coach Rule? Um, you know, during your time in the NFL? No, you know, I, I really don't know him. And, and you know, a big part of the, the coming into it process is um, saying the right things and doing the right things. And it seems like he's, he's passed all these tests at this point, and then you just got to start playing the games. What's what, – what do you – now, so you will watch the Super Bowl? I don't know. My wife keeps asking me. Uh, it's still a little fresh for me, you know. Right. Play, they're going to be showing highlights of our game, and, and I'm sure that I'll have it on and, and my sons will watch it. But – uh, to say I'm really excited to turn on the Super Bowl on Sunday, I, I can't say that with confidence. Yeah, I understand. I understand. What do you think of the matchup? I guess I mean you have it. I mean I'm not asking for a prediction, but I mean yeah, a feel for this matchup. You know, the only time I've watched Philly live was in the championship game. They played right before us, and and so you're trying to kill time in the locker room, and that's really the only time I've watched them from start to finish. I've had some crossover tape with their offense that I've watched as we're getting ready for an opponent's defense. I don't think I've watched one snap of their defense. So I, I know some of the names of the players, uh, but that's the unique thing about the Super Bowl. It's cross-conference. Cross and so you probably haven't seen any footage of the, the, the crossover offense or defense that you're going to go against until you get ready for the Super Bowl. Um, whereas playing Kansas City in the AFC Championship game, we played them uh, many, many times, and so we kind of knew what to expect. But uh, the Super Bowl is a whole different animal. You're, you're getting ready for two weeks on a team that you really have had a limited information on. Zach, well, I'll tell you one thing about Philly. They have 70 sacks. Have yeah, I did know that. <laughs> I, did, I did know that. I remember seeing when they traded for Robert Quinn. And, uh, I mean, they've had these these D tackles and DNs there for 10 years now. And those guys have been playing at a high level. Brandon Graham and all these guys. And uh, we played them two years ago. Uh, we tied them uh, during the COVID year with no fans in the stadium. And, and they've just had a good defense ever since. And, and their offensive line has always been one of the top in the NFL. Um, so as I get talking to them, more of the players, you know, come to my mind of who they got and who's coaching them. And, uh, they've done a great job this year. Well, what is a Super Bowl week like, Zach? I mean, you, you went through it as a head coach, just going in for a week. I mean, you were part of a, some big bowl games like a Cotton Bowl, but obviously Super Bowl much bigger. I mean, what's yeah. a week like going on a road trip like that for on a stage like the Super Bowl? It's two weeks. You know, this is the first first day you spend on the logistics. You know, the first Monday and Tuesday are more logistical stuff to, to get the family situated, the players and coaches situated, because they got a lot of questions that way. Uh, we game planned like we normally would for the next three days. I remember by Friday night being exhausted that first week just because of the excitement, um, the preparation, 
the logistical stuff you go through. Uh, we took a day off during the weekend, and then and then you travel. I think these teams traveled on Sunday. Um, you do the media stuff on Monday. They'll have a day off on Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's a normal week. So Wednesday's base downs, Thursday's third down, Friday's red zone, and then Saturday they'll have a walkthrough and get ready for it. But um, you try to stay locked in. You know, I've seen a lot of the media coverage this week. I didn't even realize how much media coverage there was because you're so much in your own bubble. You're practicing, mm -hmm. you're meeting, you're not turning on the TV. You're really oblivious to a lot of it unless you're face-to-face -face doing an interview. And uh, and then, you know, Sunday night comes around and and the Rock stands out there at midfield before kickoff for 10 minutes unexpectedly. And you're wondering what the heck is going on. He kind of gave a big 10-minute speech, right, as our team was lined up for kickoff. And I remember thinking, what is happening right now? So you just want to play the game, get to that moment as quickly as possible. But there's there's a lot of excitement involved in it too. Zach, you kind of chuckled when we mentioned that rule and Alberts had an NIL name, image, and likeness function um, tonight in Phoenix. Have you contemplated that part of the new college football at all? And what do you have any thoughts on it? You know, I, maybe I'm old school. I liked the way that it was for me. You know, I, mm -hmm. I never took that money from the video game. Um, I just, it was an honor to play college football and get a scholarship. And I, I understand that I'm in a minority. And so you just got to embrace what's going on right now. Um, so, you know, that's the way it is. And, and it's a challenge, I'm sure, for these coaching staffs to, it's yeah. free agency. You know, you got to raise money to pay players. And, and at the last second, they could, they could go somewhere else. Um, I know the transfer thing, I was just talking to a college coach the other day and the transfers, I guess, don't sign. You guys are know more about that than I do. They, they just show up in class. Is that correct? And yep. you, you pray that they show up and sit in their first class and then they're part of your team. Yeah. Uh, that part is just, that's <laughs> wild to me. It's a whole different <laughs> element. So yeah. I, I don't know much. I don't research much on it. Um, I, I see some of the mainstream stories about kids getting paid a lot of money. Um, I'm sure not everywhere's like that. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to, to see how, how it's evolving. Does your scouting department or the NFL scouting department, do so they dig into NIL a little bit more and just kind of want to understand, you know, if certain guys are getting lots of money? Because I got to think it's becoming more part of the process. Like, man, this guy's already getting this, you know, in college, you know, and it, you know, just, just to kind of get a feel for each situation you're, you're possibly going to draft. I mean, when did that become legal? When did they start doing that? Two year, uh, June will be the two-year anniversary. Okay. So I, I don't remember it being a big topic conversation last year in the scouting process, which which we start to get involved in now. Um, maybe this year it, it'll see more of it. I haven't asked that question, but but we start those meetings here in about a week, and they go all the way through the draft. So I'm sure in some of the players' bios, it'll it'll mention what he got, and um, it'll be interesting to see how that factors in. I I, I don't know yet. Well, Zach, uh, we really appreciate the time. Um, just all, all of us here follow you closely, and, yeah. and really have a ton of respect for what you've accomplished as a coach. And I know there's a lot of Zach Taylor fans still here around the state of Nebraska. Well, I appreciate that. You guys were always fun to interact with, and, and I really cherished my time there. And, and the media was a big part of that. You know, they always treated me uh, fairly, I felt. And, and so I, I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, Zach. Go have a good vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I will. Thanks, Zach. And uh, appreciate Zach Taylor joining us. Man, what, what a guy. I Jeez. Mean, like, Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. 
I I always get asked like, who is your favorite guy you've yeah. covered? And yeah. it's hard for me not to have Zach Taylor at the top of the list. And yeah. you, you see why. Yeah, you with, see why with what he's accomplished. I mean, and the way he carries himself in the stage that he's on now. He's the same guy that he was when I called him down at Butler Community College when he got the offer. But from Bill you Cowan. called him, yeah. You, you were on that. Story. In fact, Jeremy Crab. That's right. You were. Well, I Jeremy that. Crabtree and I worked together at Rivals um, at that point, and Harrison Beck was looked to be the only quarterback they were going to take. Okay. And Jeremy's like, "Hey, you know, this is pre-Twitter. You couldn't tweet out offers, and so you had to actually call people and truly b- confirm it." And he's like, "Nebraska's just. I think they're going to offer this guy. You better check with them." And I'm like, "They are. They got this other kid named Harrison Beck." And lo and behold, Zach gets the offer from Jay Norvell, and Jay Norvell went down to Butler, and he said, "I interviewed him like I was, you know, signing a free agent quarterback for the Raiders." Is that right? And he goes, "When I talked to Zach at that age, I'm like, I knew this guy could play for Bill Callahan. He carried himself like a guy that we would assign with the Raiders." And lo and behold, he comes in, and it's hard to believe. He's still the last offensive player at Nebraska to be named a conference player of the year. 2006. You know, Amir Abdullah wasn't a conference player of the right. year. Um, you know, he, there, there's been, like, obviously, Sue, Levante, David. I don't think Lev- Levante, David wasn't a conference player of the year even on defense, but Zach, Zach Taylor and Sue were in the same recruiting class, yeah. and they were both conference players of the year. 2005. And then Sue was 09. Okay. Now – I thought the quote of the for player interview, of the year, sorry. Yeah, I thought the quote of the interview with Zach was they'd have to carry him out of Cincinnati in a casket. He loves it there. I mean, he's really found a spot. So know? I take it that's the simple column or article coming out of this. Yeah, probably. I mean, he doesn't. He's not looking to get out to go to college to a college program. Look how relaxed and happy he looked. That says a lot. I mean, just think about like okay, Matt Rule Wednesday night. And Matt Rule loves this stuff, but mm-hmm. he was in Omaha speaking to over 100 high school football coaches, and he had to duck out to get on a plane Thursday morning to go to NIL fundraiser event Thursday night. Um, you know, then you're you're organizing recruiting pieces, hiring. Pe- I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. Where, but Rule likes it. Rule, li- it, so it's, it's yeah. just it's just a an individual decision preference. Basically. Yeah, preference. Like I think Rule wants to develop and mentor young men. Yeah, and and Taylor really fits the pro model. I, 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 Zach Taylor, yeah. You, you have to be more of a player's kind of coach, I think, in the pro level. You can't be an old-school gruff guy. I mean, the, the coaches now you see, a lot of them are more like a Zach Taylor. The, the they one, are. They're younger. The ones well, Andy, come, like, what, what did you call Andy Reid an old-school well, guy? Well, he is, but he, he's got a good approach. But like, look, look at the Dolphins coach. Yeah, young guy. I mean. Like he's a real young guy. Look at the Bills coach. Yeah, look at Sean, pretty young. Yeah, pretty young. Uh I mean, Sirianni, the Philadelphia coach, is a young guy. So I get what you're saying. Zach, and I'll tell you what else about Zach. You, I mean, you just interviewed him, Sean. You saw him, and, and how do you feel? You, you kind of feel jacked up. because you. And if you're a player, you probably want to play for Zach because of the way he treats you, because of all these qualities that you're talking about. My guess is you'd want to play for that guy, right? Like he's not a yeller and screamer. No. Um, but he's effective. Yeah, and, and in some ways, that's how Osborne was. He wasn't a yeller and screamer, but he was effective with how he connected to you. Yeah, because I think my guess is Zach is very respectful and fair. And if he gets on you, you, oh, know, you know you know it's oh, yeah. it's important. And oh, you see him getting after the refs. It's it's 
he's got that he's got that zip in him he's got that dog in him but you know you got to you got to to survive in that league and he's done more than survive and now you mentioned he looks very happy they're having a great vacation with his wife but they just won the AFC or they just finished second in the AFC. And now, he's got would, a quarterback that he could have for 10 more years right. in Cincinnati. Would he be qu- as quick to join us as if they had finished nine games under 500? You know, and would he have that look? I don't know. Maybe he would. Um, well, but he, after two years, he was on kind of a hot seat. There. He absolutely was. It was rough at first. Um, but he, the last two years have been fabulous. You know, lost in the AFC championship game this year, went to the Super Bowl last year. He has a generational quarterback who's going to be around. And receivers. And receivers, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. They have Sean, think about it. he's he's in a great spot with with Burrow. I mean, Burrow won't probably go anywhere, right? They're 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 joined at the hip for a while, I would think. Yeah, right? if you get a quarterback like that, they stay there. Yeah. Well, and and Joe Joe's from Athens, Ohio. Right. So it's a perfect fit yeah to be in cincinnati yeah they're in a good spot i mean with his family and you know jimmy jimmy goes to i'm sure they go to every oh yeah yeah it's it's amazing they got a good situation going hence his smile he looks great he doesn't he doesn't look worn down you asked a great question though sean that what's it like to get ready for that super bowl and it was fascinating to hear him say it you're in a bubble you really don't notice all the media because you're so preparation oriented you're just around your people. So the outside, not a huge factor necessarily. Well, and, and now you know why they give them two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And because the first two days were just organizational logistics. I mean, think about that. Two two days it takes to handle that stuff. Once you've heard Saban, because sometimes depending on how the, the calendar falls, the national championship game is always on that Monday. Mm-hmm. And there could be you know, eight, nine, ten days between games. Sometimes there could only be like eight days. You might play Saturday, then flip around and play Monday. That's not a lot of time. No. And Saban has complained about that. And it's more like, oh, just shut up, Saban. Like, you're spoiled. You play in this game every year. Um, but I get his point. I mean, if you're playing on that stage with the other obligations involved, um, with you know, because think how many coaches on your staff and their families and their players. They got to get tickets. They got to get hotels. Mm-hmm. They got to like round up like transportation to bring everybody out there and it's a lot. get it all figured out. I mean, yeah. And you heard Zach say by Friday of the first week of Super Bowl week, he was exhausted. Friday of the first week. Now he still had another week to go. And he said he was exhausted on Friday. One, well, Zach, can you imagine how many people just reach out to you? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. For tickets or I'm, yeah. And things like that. I mean, it'd be. Ex- and, yeah. and Zach, you know, what's funny about Zach, he changed his number finally in the last couple of years, but he was rolling with the same number yeah. that he had back at Butler Community College for yeah. like <laughs> forever. Yeah, you know? Zach. Like, yeah. He's, I mean, he's very, very approachable. Like, Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm, I don't mind saying this. We reached out to him for this interview and he got back immediately and was like, oh, yeah, I, I can definitely do that. And and he texted this morning and said, uh, we don't have to keep this to 12 minutes. I got all day. I mean, he's just, he's incredibly affable, but what that speaks to is not any affinity for us necessarily. It's his Him. affinity for Nebraska. No, it's affinity for Nebraska. He loves it. He loves Nebraska. He loved his time here. That's why he'll take that kind of time. I mean, before he got to Cincinnati and Scott Frost first got here, he was at LA as the receivers coach. And no, he was a quarterback's coach the last year. And that's how he got this job because he got golf in position to get LA to the Super Bowl. 
he coached golf. Golf was huge that year. That's I think that's how he got that job. But uh, before he was receivers coach at that point, I believe. Before first, yeah. he was no Sean, he was a quarterbacks coach his last year at LA. He was the receivers coach the year before. Yeah, that, that's when he was the receivers coach. I had talked to him and he was interested. He had interest to want to like at least talk to Scott Frost. Yeah. Because Nebraska to what? To to work with him on the yeah. staff. It, but you know, Frost brought everybody with him. It just it's water oh, yeah. under the bridge. He had a he had an OC, he had a quarterback's coach, he had all those things already lined up. So it, it just was it wasn't meant to be, but that's how much Nebraska meant to him. Yeah. Like that, you know, it was on his mind. But when you get Joe Burrow, I think a lot changes. Cause yeah. You know, look at Tom Brady did for Belichick. Yeah. Look at Andy Reid mm-hmm. just having Mahomes. It's like solidified. Andy Reid is one of the better coaches now of all time. Yep, it has. Well, in, you know, Andy didn't wasn't necessarily. I mean, he did it at Philly too. But yeah, if you have your point is right. If you have a quarterback, it's a lot easier. Now, in Zach's case, it's a little different, nuanced discussion because look at the AFC and look at the quarterbacks in that. Look at the quarterbacks. He's got to deal with Mahomes and Allen. For how many years, right? Yeah, and only but he's got his. He's he's got his. He's got Burrow, but man, in that in the AFC, it's loaded up, and that's why that home field matters. Oh like, God, yeah. I mean, to get that game in oh. Arrowhead made the difference for the pretty Chiefs. Much, pretty much, just because yeah. it's extra nights in your own bed from a homes and around your own treatments. I mean, just that time of the year to have all oh, yeah. your own things with you. Yeah, for the week, mm-hmm. it's a big difference. Oh, I agree. When you have to travel and leave and and. You know, it, it's just a different deal, but. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, let's move on. Headline number three, and we talked about this earlier this week, but I want to hit again on Brian Ferentz and the situation at Iowa. Um, Got a reduced contract, $50,000 less per year with some metrics now in place, SIP. Um, But, you know, it's been a lightning rod discussion. And, you know, for obvious reasons, Iowa didn't have a – a great year offensively, one of the worst years they've had under Kirk Ferentz. They still really could have won the Big Ten West, though, all things considered. Um, what is your take on just the the blowback all this Brian Ferentz stuff has gotten this week at Iowa City? Well, it's really – I mean, it's a really interesting conversation. It's a layered conversation. When you say they had one of the worst offenses in Kirk Ferentz's years there, which has been since 1999, it was the worst. In fact – Iowa averaged 251.6 yards, Sean. That's the Big Ten's lowest mark in that period since 1999. Not just Iowa's lowest output. That's any team in the Big Ten. Some He survived. The other stat that's remarkable is that, is that Bryant Ferentz, so he's been the OC there, Sean, since 2017. In that period... Iowa's average finish for total offense has been 107th nationally, never been higher than 87th. Okay. He still has his job. We all, now we all can be very cynical about this and say he still has his job sip because his dad's the coach. There's a little bit, there's a little more to it than that. 
they're in that period, that same period since 2017, they've never won fewer than eight games and twice won 10. Okay. Now the COVID year, they only played eight and they won six, six in a row to end. They've had success, right? Almost despite having no offense at times. This year was was the worst it's been because their offensive line was not even close to represent to representable of what they've had in the past. And that's their forte. Yeah, their offensive line was was bad. And their running backs weren't great either. The running backs were just okay. They were really banged up at receiver too. And so I'm sure, you know, I'm trying to think like Kurt Ferentz, what what would he say? He'd say, well, we were substandard up front. We were really banged up at receiver to the point where we were, we were playing Sam Laporta tight end at receiver. Didn't have the quarterback. They well, need. yeah, Keegan Johnson pretty much just didn't play. Opted out to redshirt to transfer, and right. that was their best receiver. Probably, yeah. So they didn't have much. Now, so it's, it's – They still needed to recruit a quarterback. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, now they got one. I mean, the, 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 the Petrus run nearly got Brian Ferentz run. I mean, it, it did, except the, like I say, Sean, oftentimes, and we've experienced it here, these you can't just, what I've learned is you can't just say, okay, their offensive coordinator's the problem. Eh, the, the quarterback was a problem. Often they weren't very good up front. They're banged up at receiver. It's hard to, when it goes this bad, it's, it's usually you're not just pointing to one thing. They were deficient in a lot of areas. And, and what Kirk has decided is, they're not deficient at offensive coordinator. Apparently, that's what he. That's what that's what he's saying. But man, yeah, it is. It's a hot button topic, big time. Well, fascinating. I mean, if his name was Brian Sipple, yeah, he'd be out. Would he still be coaching? That that's the that's. The, I, mean, I think he'd be out. I think he'd be out. The guy that you real I think about during this conversation a lot is Phil Parker, their defensive coordinator. Think what he's had to deal with. I mean, it, it puts a lot of pressure on your defense and special teams. But and it's and then you can swing that conversation this way, Sean. Think about this. Their offense has been miserable, even though they've played high-level defense, which means they're getting the ball a lot, they're getting the ball in good position a lot, and they still can't do anything. They still average 17.9 points a game, even though their defense is putting them in prime positions a lot, right? It's fascinating. It, yeah. it is a really interesting situation. It will be uh, interesting because I do think Cade McNamara, you're going to see a big jump this year with that offense. And Eric All. Because the mo- the mobility that he brings. Yeah, McNamara's pretty mobile. Slippery right. enough. Yeah, he's pretty it, mobile. And that was the issue with um, Petrus. He, I mean, he, he couldn't – I mean, he had, couldn't he, move. I mean, he, was in, he was playing in cement blocks. Pretty much, yes, Sean, he was. So they're, they're getting Cade McNamara and also Eric All who's a great tight end and, and a couple offensive linemen out of the portal. So they're, you know, we'll see what happens. And I don't know what their schedule crossover draw is, but I don't either. this will be the last year of the presumed divisions too. So a lot will change for programs like Iowa when the West goes away. Yeah, it will. Um, because at least the West kind of like gave you like something to kind of hang your hat on, mm-hmm. you know, like we can't beat Ohio state, but we won the West. Right. And that's going to go away. That dynamic. It, well, yeah. It's, and that's a really interesting thing. I mean, we got so ingrained here of saying, well, you're not going to win the big 10 probably, but yeah, like you say, maybe we can win the West. Now what? Well, Nebraska never won the West. They won the, it was the leaders division, I believe. Right now. What now you're, you, 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 
you handle this stuff, you pay attention to it more closely than I do. Are we talking about pods now? Yeah. And I've, okay. So if, if it was just Nebraska's choice, like if what's going to happen is you're going to get a three team pod. Okay. And, you know, if Nebraska could pick their three teams, it'd be Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Would there be divisions? Still? No, I don't. I think you're going to see the two highest ranked teams play. But here's my issue with this. And tell me how I'm not wrong here. Do you really want a situation where Ohio State and Michigan might have to play back to back weeks? <laughs> and and that was always my issue with legends and leaders. Right. That never happened, though. Right. But it could have happened. Where, <laughs> it could happen. Um you know, you play that game back to back weeks. Oh, I, I, I can't believe that too many people. I mean, would Michigan fans or Ohio State fans want that? Well, you, I mean, to an extent, no. Osborne had a deal with that a couple of times, having to play Oklahoma yep. in the bowl game after he just beat him. Well, one time for sure, yeah, because um, they lost to Missouri. Right, right, and yeah, you know, and, it was an odd circumstance in that Nebraska played a regular season game after they had beaten Oklahoma and they lost to Missouri. <laughs> they lost to Missouri. I'm remembering that right. Yeah, Don Bryant in his book, he wrote, he goes, I was the one that had to deliver the news to Osborne that they'd be rematching Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. It was not pretty. And he goes, I felt like I just read a prisoner his death sentence. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bummer. Because I, I, I think Osborne knew Oklahoma had more talent. Right. They put it together for one Saturday. And we've talked about that. That in a playoff now, you can pull off one win, but the the playoff bracket, right, the talent wins. Oh, you're so right. So what you're referring to is you expand the playoff and you might win one game, upset somebody. Or like just TCU win one got game. Michigan. Yeah. But then you have to keep playing tough teams and it's probably not going to work. Unless prep time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you give Boise State a month, they beat Adrian Peterson in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you give Boise State a week to play another game like that, yeah. they're probably not going to win. Right. I mean, that was back in the day. Um, but yeah, the, just that element of, of college football, but yeah, so back to the pods. Yeah. So what will probably though end up happening is an LA team is going to be paired with Nebraska. Um, so Iowa, I think Iowa's a lock. To stay so you team. think it'd be Iowa, USC, USC or UCLA. And honestly, I think UCLA is the one that Nebraska has more history with. Um, they do. And so that would make, I don't them know if that matters or matters not. or not, uh, do we know if Oregon and Washington or Stanford and Cal are out of it yet? I mean, oh, like I, that I could still happen. Yeah, so still happen. that would change a lot of this discussion yeah. if they added two or four more teams um, to the conference. <laughs> so with pods, you know, you can't win a pod, right? So yeah, the division, you can't, you're not going to be finished first place in the division starting until you'll be able to get your uh, division championship rings, right? Your- starting in 2024, that conversation goes by the wayside. We're all going to have to adjust to that. Um, but yeah, Nebraska though will get an LA team. I, I think that's almost a given today. So. But here's how what you have three guaranteed pod games. Okay. And then the other um six conference games will rotate. And it's a perfect deal for a 16 team conference. So over a four year period, you will play everybody in four years mm-hmm. and you will play in every stadium. Yeah, that is good. And that's good. So it's better because right now, like <laughs> Nebraska's only played at Indiana one time. In that's the- fine. You know, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> they've played at Maryland one time. They right. played, That's I mean, fine. It, it's kind of imbalanced because of the way they have to do it. And what's thrown off the East-West is Indiana and Purdue have to play each other every year. Yeah. So it takes away opportunities for Indiana to play another oh, yeah. Western team because of that Purdue lock. 
see the challenge for the le- the powers that be will be putting teams in pods that you, you know there was where there's not a big advantage for a certain team right like, will ohio state and michigan be they have to be in the same pod yeah that's those are the kind of questions that are going to come michigan up michigan state and michigan have to be in the same yeah. pod yeah, no, I, I don't even want to go down that road because it could that, get That's really a good, good July show. Yeah. yeah. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. That's a good. All right. Go uh, let's time. move on to headline number four. Uh, there's a big NIL event happening in Phoenix, Arizona. A lot going on in Phoenix. The Waste Management Open, uh, which golf. That would be fun. Your, your co host on the radio, Jake, would probably love to be down at that. Yeah. Crazy. It's, yeah, it's a party. The, I mean, it's like the biggest party golf event you'll see with yeah. the skybox holes. Uh, but then you have the Super Bowl, as, as we just talked to Zach Taylor going on in Phoenix. But tonight, Matt Rule, Trev Alberts will be at the 1890 uh, NIL fundraiser event held at the home of a prominent Husker booster in Scottsdale. Um, and that will be interesting because there will be some buzz. About 100 people or so will be there is our understanding, give or take. Um, and it's an invite only. <laughs> I had some people reach out to me. How do you get a ticket for the event? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, you write a check for about a million dollars. I guess you call it an event. It's it's fascinating. It's a the, private party. The reason we bring it up is because this is the world now. Now you have the AD and the head coach, you know, shaking hands with the most prominent boosters. And this is all about paying, get, getting players the the kind of money that you need to compete with Ohio State. You know, and I don't think Nebraska is going to get to that level or even maybe not even want to get to that level where they're making. I mean, what what did Brian Day say? It's going to take $13 million to keep our roster together. He did say that at one point. Um, I don't I mean, Nebraska may not have to go that high, but I could see Nebraska in the future, Sean, every year having five, six, seven million dollars ready for players, you know. Well, I think you almost there's going to have to be a point where there's a baseline number that every guy gets, <laughs> and then 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 there's sticky, doesn't it? Then then there's guys that are going to be on more specialty signed deals. Yeah, I don't want to go down that and, road. And Sean. Yeah, once again, that's a good July show. Yeah, but, yeah, um, but, yeah. Like, but the big thing is there's a there's a pretty big event. I it would be interesting to be a fly on the wall at this event in Phoenix tonight. And I, like now Viola I could, uh, Dominic could attend if he wanted to. Yeah, I, I don't know a, if he is or not. I don't know that. He he definitely could because he's an alum, right? Former player, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he can go. Now his kid can't go. No, Dylan can't. Dylan go. can't go. But no. Dominic could attend something like that technically. Yeah, and I and well, I know there's an invite. Let's put it that way. And so yeah, and, and we don't know. I mean, the party hasn't happened yet. So right, um, it will be just yeah. What comes out of that? A lot of momentum. Oh, I think I don't know what comes out of it. I mean, it's it's a good chance for some well-heeled donors to meet Trev and Matt together. I mean, they're going to be together, and that's good. That picture alone is sort of interesting too. Well, then on a lesser NIL storyline this week, uh, we did see the baseball program sign a, a deal with uh, work a partnership with 1890, the 1890 Initiative Collective, and um, big. You know, that's big because 
baseball is a non-rev sport. Right. I mean, there's probably less than eight programs that make a rev in baseball. So, you know, to, to see, and my understanding, I think the, the simple goal for baseball NIL is, you know, you have, was it 11.6 scholarships? About that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of guys are on partials. You might have partials. 20, you might have 25, 30 guys on partials. The goal is to get enough raised money to put those 25, 30 guys on full. Mm-hmm. That's a good deal. So that, I mean, that's a reasonable expectation for NIL baseball. It is. Now, the, the natural question is how many other Big Ten programs, baseball programs, have this? Hard to know that. None. I'll say, I will say none. <laughs> would you say none? Yes. Or would you say that I, I with would confidence? fairly confidently say none um, because it's just not as important anywhere else. I mean, hmm. simple. You go to these baseball games, they look like they're being played at Morton Park in South Omaha. Some of them. Not <laughs> some. You're right. <laughs> Any of my South Omaha, we, we used to play some games at Morton Park. You, some of them do. Now, Purdue has a very nice stadium. Yes, I know. There, there's some. That it's gotten though. better. Yeah. But like Northwestern didn't have lights. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And then oh, now the other thing we should mention is 1890 is also, they're continuing to expand sports. They aren't involved with Nebraska men's basketball, but they're getting involved now to the great delight of Amy Williams with women's basketball. So that that, that is an expansion that's going to be a, probably announced in coming days, according is, to my sources. And then women's bowling is going to benefit. There's a deal. There's going to be a deal in place for the women's bowlers. Um, so NIL through 1890 is expanding. Well, and there are sports like that have a lot of foreign athletes they can't benefit off NIL. So like, you know, like if you're on the tennis team or mm-hmm. if you're I'm trying to gymnast, I mean, there's a, you know, people from all over the world, they can't make NIL money. So it, because, it's because the, 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 the labor laws, I mean, if you're on a student visa, okay. Um, you gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. They can't, you can't pay. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the players on the team from another country, I think it was like trying to raise a stink. I'm like, I want to be able to, you know, we, we should go and raise, you know, this is like a, a federal law. Like no college student anywhere in the United States can um, technically deported. earn money because who are you paying the taxes to? Yeah, right. If you're not a citizen. Yeah. So, yeah, that was interesting. But why is basketball kind of its own animal? I mean, what is, uh, it, is it just because it's such a different thing with NIL? You think that they have to kind of operate a little bit on their own? I don't know exactly the dynamics there. You'd have to probably trace it back to when the previous collective um, ABM started up. They and worked it, with basketball at the beginning, the very beginning, and then that tailed off. And I just, it, I just think it branched into its own entity, the basketball collective. And then Ralph Kastner, a Nebraska businessman, prominent, took it over. Number now, Ralph is a huge. The Castor family is a huge, a huge Nebraska basketball boosters. I think he was glad to do it, and that gave them their own separate entity. And I think that makes sense. But I will say, Ralph Castor, Matt Davis, and they do work together a lot. I mean, they do. So it's it is its own entity, the Husker Basketball Collective. But they do work with eighteen and the basketball. I mean, and you could speak on this too. Like the group of high, the boosters that really are big basketball people. They're di- a lot of them are not as necessarily as big with football. I don't know that. I mean, there there are guys that always are down there courtside. They're front and center around that basketball pro. I, I think there's a d- group of people that are always much you know that are more with the basketball. Then you've got obviously kind of your A list people 
that are more with the football. Yeah, people. actually, I'm not as familiar with that dynamic as you are, Sean. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right. Well, let's move on. Headline five Super Bowl in Phoenix. Yeah. Former Husker flavor, Cam Taylor Britt. Uh, not in the Super Bowl. What am I thinking? Cincinnati. Right. I'm yeah, thinking easy, Zach Taylor Sean, here. Easy. Uh, Jack Stahl and Dominic and Sue. Uh, Cam Jurgens in the Super Bowl, and then uh, DiCaprio Boot. I'm not sure he'll be on the active roster, but he's with the Chiefs, so um, you'll have four Huskers in the game potentially. Uh, that is the second most in history for Nebraska and, and, and players in the Super Bowl. That's great, and it's a it's a. I like the matchup. It doesn't seem to be generating a lot of buzz. I'm I'm really interested in it from the standpoint of like I was. We were telling Zach, like we it was Zach knew, but. Philly's got 70 sacks on the year. How's that Chiefs Steve offensive line going to hold up? How is is that quarterback Mahomes is he is he moving around okay on a high ankle sprain? It can't be. He can't be 100%. Um you know, I'm 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 really I like Philly to I'm sorry Sean. I hate to say it. I know you're a Chiefs fan, but I really like Philly to win the game. I just think they're they're ferocious. That's a fero- ferocious defense. People act like Kansas City's is like massive underdog. It's a it's a one and a half point spread. I mean, like who's I, acting like? Oh, I, I just like when you pick the Chiefs, you're like, oh, you know, like like I'm like way step like I'm picking like this major upset. Right. I mean, I'm picking Mahomes and Andy Reid. I'm right. a fan, a, right. but they've been there. This is their third Super Bowl they played in together. Yeah, Chiefs got pass rush too. And yeah, Chris Jones, and, who's one of the best linemen I've seen in a while. If healthy, Kelsey and Mahomes are maybe the two best players on the field. Yeah, I got to be careful, by the way, with Chris Jones saying he's the best defensive lineman I've seen in a while. I mean, he had he one had of a record better, year. Yeah, yeah, he did. Now, he had, yeah, thank you. 15 and a half sacks, I think. And then the, the AFC Championship game, he was, it seemed almost unstoppable late in that game. It was an eye opener. So he'll, he'll cause problems. And I talked about it in our, on our radio show with Robin and Abby. That matchup against Lane Johnson, who's who's had an abductor groin injury, watch that early. I think they'll put Chris Jones right on Lane Johnson, and then Lane Johnson's got to prove himself early that he can hold up. That's that's one matchup to watch. Isn't it fascinating the four Huskers in this game as we look at them? I mean, this, this their stories and their paths, how different each one is. Yeah, I mean, Adamic and Sue is a Hall of Famer. And, I th- I and, think he could be yeah first ballot maybe or second I mean here's the deal with that Sean it's pretty simple to me he made the all decade team of the 2010s which is an NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame prelude kind of yeah well they're th- that's who names the team and throughout the 80s 90s and etc only seven players that have been all decade haven't made the Hall of Fame some even, some haven't been eligible but seven. Seven. That's it. If you make that all deck, what I'm trying to say here is if you make the NFL all decade team, an all all decade team, you're almost guaranteed to go into the Hall of Fame. And he made it. Sue made it. Well, so, and his all pro stat or his Pro Bowl and all pro numbers would five Pro Bowl. I think five Pro Bowls. Yeah. And I think the competition for his position as well. I don't know how many other guys 
or in his age group. You know, Aaron Donald's younger than him, but he's a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, he's um, We know that right now. Yeah. Um, but like he is up there as in his generation. And I know college doesn't count into this, but his college stuff was he'll be in the college football hall of fame. We know that. Yeah, Sue, and the fact he's made Super Bowls plural helps. And in the last Super Bowl, he was a major factor. He had a sack and a half, was was in the backfield. This a is lot. his third one. Yeah, it's his third one. And he's he was an impact player when Tampa won it. Impact. Now, and I imagine well, we'll see what kind of impact he has on Sunday. Well, and I think his time in Detroit, unfortunately, did hurt him, kind of like Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, when you played for such a poor franchise, mm-hmm. you're not on TV very much. Right. I mean, Thanksgiving, that's about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, but how many Lions games, other than maybe when they play like the Bears or something, are on, are not even that. I mean, are, right. are on very, here. Very often. No. So, but then you look at like Jack Stahl. Like when Jack Stahl left here in 2020, and I remember him at his pro day at his shirt off running. I mean, he wasn't in the combine. I don't think anybody ever like, oh, yeah, we'll be covering Jack Stoles in a Super Bowl. No, I didn't. I mean, it's I, pretty remarkable what he's done, too. And he's been a starter. Um, and now he's, he's second string, but he plays a lot. So, no, Sean, I got to tell you, I no, I didn't see it coming. I hope he's not listening. I did not see that coming. And we were just wrong. Now, Cam Jurgens, on the other hand, not surprised. Like, if I were, like, ranked the tight ends at Nebraska, Austin Allen, Travis Volkleck, Jack Stahl, just on college play, you'd probably have third. Jack Stahl third. Third. Yep. Um, but he kind of fell between a coaching change and you know other things too. So his career kind of was clouded and he got hurt um his his final year. Um I always thought he should have been a captain of the 2020 team as well, and he wasn't. I mean, you know, he, he was a leader in the program and then got hurt in that 2020 season. But um happy for Jack and and what he's doing. Cam Jurgens, on the other hand, not surprised he's in the NFL. But again, another one of these stories where it's going to be a guy that his pro career is going to be far better than what he did at Nebraska. And that, that you think so? What did he do at Nebraska? I mean, like as far as recognition. Yeah, not, yeah, you're right. Um, he didn't get any recognition. That's I mean, true. it was all, and it just that that's the part that stings is like, man, this guy could go on to be like a high level NFL center for a long time. Kind of like, Car- remember Carl Nix? His career ended on injury, but. He hardly did anything at Nebraska, and then he went on to become the highest-paid guard in the NFL. Yeah, at one point he was. And, you know, he was a junior college transfer, so he wasn't, a, you know, in a program for five years. Um, he's a starter, but you're right. Yeah, you don't re- people don't think about Carl Nix very often when they consider the all-time best Nebraska lineman. He doesn't get considered. Only here for a cup of coffee. Um, Incognito is the same way. He he was great here, <laughs> but the way it ended, I mean, throwing a desk through Bill Callahan's trophy case in his office – has been back very often. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would like to see Richie come back. Yeah. Richie was an, an incredible player. I mean, incredible lineman. One of the most dominating linemen I've seen. Um, we got to get Richie on this show once. <laughs> we could pull it off. Yeah, well, that's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. We'll try that. And then DiCaprio Boodle, Kansas City. Um, you're just a guy that's hung on. I, I don't know when he left here. I'm like, this guy will be a, a pro, like a long pro. But he's he's... He's made the most of it, and he's always been fast. I'll never forget, first time I met DiCaprio Boodle, I was in Doral City Park in Miami at a satellite camp, and there were like a 1,000 kids there. And you go to a camp in Miami, and you see the speed and talent there. He ran the fastest 40 out of a 1,000 kids oh boy. in Doral City Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That gets your attention. So he's a very fast technician. That's a good combination. Doesn't have a lot of size, but he's a, he's a gamer. 
and he's a he's a technician and he can fly. I'll never, that, that 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 might get you in the NFL. I'll never forget that camp too. Like buses of kids just kept showing up, and mm-hmm. I mean there's more kids coming, and there were college coaches working the camp in the middle of a city park in Miami, and mm-hmm. and some he, of those kids weren't wearing football shoes. I bet. Oh yeah, it was just unreal but mm-hmm. you know DiCaprio his brother Joe White's in the program I always found this fascinating too his other brother played for UNO when the Mavericks had a football team so mm-hmm. all three of the Boodle brothers played their college football in Nebraska how about that that's amazing from Miami yeah all right so you got the Eagles I got the Chiefs I definitely I definitively have the Eagles what are we betting uh we bet a pizza or something like that um I, we don't need a bet straight up. Money. Wings. So how about some wings? Wings sounds We'll good. get wings up here. Okay. And we'll do it. And maybe Tanners will do it for us. Yeah, just we'll, straight up. Not even giving any points. Just straight up. Order a wings for the winner. Okay. All that right. Sounds great, Sean. Well, thank you to Zach Taylor. Uh, what a pleasure to be joined by Zach here on Husker Online Headlines. Um, first class. Uh, great show, Sip. Um, we'll be back. Make sure you are on HuskerOnline.com. We've got a great special, $29.99. Get you access to the site until August 31st. Uh, we'll have all the coverage this weekend as well of Husker basketball um, and tons of in-state recruiting coverage coming as well. Uh, and thanks again to our producer on the back end, Megan Guntner. For Husker Online, I'm Sean Callahan.